Welcome to Thrive Church Online. We are here to know God, to grow in Him, and go. We hope you feel encouraged and equipped through this week's message. Come on, man. That's what we're going to do. We are going to make Jesus famous. Somebody said, man, is Jesus not already famous? No. Uh, People are still going to hell. That means He's not famous in their life. And if He's not famous in their life, uh, then we're not done with our mission. I think that from a rural church in North Carolina, God is going to start a global revival, that we are individuals, but we make up one mission and one mindset, and that's to accomplish making Jesus famous in the world. So man, I am stoked to be here. Uh, uh, we This is the last day of To the Core. Um, I'm excited about it, and I hate to see it go at the same time, because I love talking about who and what God has created us to be. Uh, the first week, we talked about making Jesus famous. Uh, man, that is why we exist. If if you want to sum up the purpose of Thrive Church and why we plan it, it was simply to make Jesus famous. If you're ever curious of what we're trying to do, we're trying to make Jesus famous. The how, we'll talk about. But the what is right there in front of us. Uh, then then next, uh, the second week, we talked about being kingdom-minded because you can't make Jesus famous and have your own agenda. You can't make uh, Jesus famous and work against each other. You, Being kingdom-minded is all about the kingdom and less about you. You become so less offendable when you have a kingdom mindset. You be look, you want to break up a clique, get all of them thinking about the kingdom. Ooh, preach. Okay. So uh then then uh the third week we talked about fill my house. I think that I think that it is the mission and the will of God for us to fill his house and replicate churches and services so that more and more people can come to know Jesus. Like that's the point of it. And then last week we talked about radical generosity. We're going to be a church of givers that give. That's so good. Nobody wants to talk about I love talking about money. Because money's, no, 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 money's a tool, man. So I threw my phone one service and they're like, you can't throw your phone. I'm like, dude, my phone is a tool. Like I don't even like it. Guys know what I'm talking about. You ever had a drill and you don't like it, but it still works. You can't bring yourself to buy a new one. Throw it. Throw it a couple times. Use it as a hammer. You'll get a new drill. It's just a tool. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for me, a car is not is not a status symbol. It just gets me there. Okay, I'm on my own. So anyway, so this week uh, we're going to talk about. <laughs> Some of y'all looked at me like you had me to the car. Um, anyway. So this week, um, I, I feel like kind of to wrap this series up, um, you, we've talked about who we are, um, and we've talked about um, about the way that we do things, but, but now it's time to talk about people. It's time to talk about us and them. Because the title of today's message, I love this title. It's called uh, Lost, Bury, and Left. Because at some point in your journey with us as Thrive, you're going to want or need pastoral care. Your expectation and my expectation may not be the same expectation. We're going to talk about it. And before you get nervous, it's all going to be biblical. Now the funny thing is, was I started working on this message and then instantaneously had to use it. And, and it all comes out of Luke 15 because I think Jesus lays this out for us so well. Um, so let's talk about lost. Here's what in Luke chapter 15 verse 1 it said, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to Him. And the 
First of all, don't you love it when people who aren't supposed to get near Jesus start getting near Jesus? Because that's when stuff's about to get set off, and I love it. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Yes! I am tired of people going, I can't come to church because my life is too jacked up. We're all jacked up. Like from the floor up, we are messed up. Like, like we, we need to invite the people that could potentially do something horrible at church. If you're not bringing friends that make you nervous to attend with them, you don't have the right friends coming to church. We had, a, we had a football player when I was a youth pastor come to, to student ministry and he got saved. So the next week, he's a big dude. Next week, he brought a whole row of football players. Well, I was a young youth pastor. I had no idea what I was doing. And they started talking and I couldn't get them to be quiet so I could teach. And finally, he stands up and goes, oh, y'all, shut the blank up. Go ahead, pastor, preach. All the church parents were lined up to talk to me after service because he dropped the F one, and I don't mean the friendly conversation. Um, but guess what? He was passionate about hearing the word of the Lord. I'm, I think God's way more interested in our passion than our perfection. So he goes on and he says this. It says, verse 3, it says, So he told him this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one until, that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found a sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more rejoiced in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need repentance. Now here's the thing. Make no, make no doubt about it. If you don't understand missional, here it is. Make no doubt about it. We will go after the lost. We will go after people that are far away from God. We will have people that come to church hungover. Smell like a brewery. And we're not going to judge them. We're going to have people that don't understand dress codes at church. We're going to have people that say things that don't sound Christian-like. Make no doubt about it, we are going to hang out with sinners and saints. Now, this isn't, a, this isn't a thing to go, hey, we don't want to have a spiritually mature church. I always get this question, are we, are we seeker-friendly or are we discipleship-driven? My answer to this is this, yes. We're, we want to seek that which is lost. That's what Jesus said. I love the first part of this. He looks at the, at the scribes and the Pharisees. He looks at church folks and He says, look, make no, no doubt about it. We are going after the lost. Our job is to make Jesus famous by emptying hell. Now, not everybody is going to come in looking like a 20-year churchgoer. And we're going to be okay with that. We're going to be okay that somebody asks a question that, oh, you can't ask that. Or you can't say that in church. I love that because I'm like, why can't you? What, what, what should we not be able to say in church? Not because we're being vulgar, but because, man, if we've got questions, God has answers. So here's the bottom line, man. Make, make no mistake about it. We will go after the sheep that is lost. 
Now, you got to understand this. You have to make sure. I love the, the, the thing he said. How many, uh, which one of you that had a sheep would not leave the 99 in an open space? We have to make sure that the sheep that are here are healthy and in a good position as we pursue the lost. It's not an either or, it's an and. We have to do this and this. We're, we're going to go after the lost and we're going to make sure that the found stay found. And so, so if you don't um, understand that as part of our missional thing, like everything we do, uh, it goes back to why we make Jesus famous, we do it in a process, no grow and go. No is not you get saved. We hope that's the end result, but it's put you in the tension of who is Jesus so that you decide to accept Jesus or reject Jesus. I can't make you accept Jesus. Man, I got a lost loved one. How do I get them to come to Jesus? Pray for them, but ultimately it's between the Holy Spirit and them. Like, I can't. Look, you're going to stand beside Jesus in front of Jesus by yourself and give an account for your life. My job is to make sure that my hands are clean by presenting Jesus to you. That's it. I, I can't make you love Jesus. I can't make you do right. I hate people that come to me for hall passes. No, somebody's wife gets mad at them, so they meet with the preacher, so I give them a hall pass, so they get out of jail free. I don't write hall passes. Okay, so anyway, here we go. That had a little meddling in it. Here we go. So while we pursue the lost, we also look for the buried. Jesus goes on, He says, verse 8, still part of a, a parable. He said, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and diligently seek until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now here's the thing. You've got the lost which are outside of the house. We have to go look for them and get them in the house. But you have to understand this. Once they get in the house, generally they're covered up with stuff. They're buried in the mess that's in the house. So mamas know exactly what I'm talking about. I, my wife will lose something. and it, So I, I look for things based on their economic value. You can get a pack of those little rubber bandy hair ties for like 9,000 of them for four bucks. Like Amazon, that mug. My wife, if she loses one, will search high and low. I'm like, look, my time is worth more than this little thingy. I'll just, and I'm on Amazon. She goes, nope, found it, found it. You're never going to guess what it is. Somebody put it in a drawer. Because we, I live in the South, we have two junk drawers. And when I don't know when something it goes and company's coming over, here's what I do. It's clean, babe. Men know what I'm talking about right now. There's women clean and then there's men clean. Men clean looks clean and is passable, but is not really clean. Okay. So my wife will look high and low for something when oftentimes I discount. Now, if we're really going to be the church that God calls us to be, we have to see value in things that other people only see covered up in as trash. In people's lives, a lot of times people come into the faith or back to the faith and they're covered up with their past. They're covered up with their problems, with their addictions, with their, with their mannerisms, with, their, with their, their, their challenges. And it's our job to see the gold that's inside of them and then dig until we see it. 
until they see it, until everybody sees it. And in the process of digging for that gold, they'll actually come to know Jesus either for the first time or, or for real time. People always ask me, man, why, do you, why are we constantly developing leaders? Like we've got ordination folks, and we've got another level, and then we've got volunteers, and then we've got leaders of volunteers, and then we've got... Because here's the thing. I think that there's gold inside of way more people than their ability to see it. And the only way for them to do it... Now, what I want to do, because I used to be a shover. Mama birds are shovers. They'll take you a baby bird to the end of the nest, and they'll just shove it and see if it hits the ground. That's not always good for the bird. Anybody ever walked up and there's like a bird on the ground and you're like, that didn't go as planned. I've made a few birds in my life where I pushed them out of the nest and they weren't ready to fly and they ended up getting more hurt in the process. So now I'm a nudger. I don't make them fly. I just make them flutter. At worst, it's going to be a controlled descent. Is that fair? But it's always, it's always challenging somebody who, who, who's younger in the faith to do more in the faith than they ever thought they could do in the faith so that God can really see and they can begin to see the value, the gold, the silver that God put inside of them. So first of all, we're going to seek the lost. But the second thing is this, is man, we're going to help people discover the ones that are in the house, how to get out from under their trash, but how to pursue Jesus and how to see everything that God created them to be. I don't think you've got to be a pastor to have a call of God on your life. Now, sometimes things develop. Listen, here's a statement your pastor made when he was a youth pastor. I would never become a senior pastor because those guys are idiots. Who signs up for all that crap? Students are great. We have to deal with about five issues. Ain't that big a deal. Like, we can disciple them, we can get them leading, but they're not that hard. You know, a little teenage girl drama. And But here's the thing, if you don't get too involved, it passes like a storm. It's over. Like, they tear each other up, and then they cry, and they start hugging. It's easy, man. Dudes, dudes are easy, because all they want's the girls. Oh, and Jesus. But really, the girls, is that right? So, like, like student, but man, adults are hard, because... Because adults begin to change their expectations. So I want you to understand that as your pastor, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to seek the lost. And I'm going to raise up a generation of people who go after the lost. Our mission, vision, and values is going to be seek the lost and how we're going to do it. But, but we're also at the same time not going to forsake the rest of the sheep. The second thing we're going to do is this. man, We're going to, we're going to uncover buried people. Whether they're buried with sin or they're buried with doubt or they're buried with identity issues or marriage problems. We're going to help them. Un- but, but part of that is they've got to be in the house. You don't go looking for your stuff somewhere else. Anytime you start looking for your stuff outside of your stuff, you are going to walk in sin. Doesn't even matter the context. God said this, He said, man, the people that come and they sit in my house, I'm great if they're covered up with junk because I can uncover their junk. So you got lost people that you have to get in, then you've got to help them uncover. But then we need to talk about the last set of people. So there's lost, and there's buried, but then there's left. Let's talk about it. Parable of the prodigal son. This is going to be quite a bit of reading, but it's important. 
Verse 11, it said, And he said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Give me my share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them, being the two sons. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country where he squandered his property and reckless living. Basically, he looked at his dad and said, Hey, I want to live like you're dead. I don't really care enough about you to stay. I'm going to treat you like you're dead. I want my stuff and I don't ever plan on coming back because you're not worth it. It's a cold statement. Very few preachers teach this part of it, but he literally looked at his dad and said, I wish you were dead. Like not in a moment of, of anger, but in a calculated conversation. And so he goes and he blows everything that he has. Um, verse 14, and when he spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. Uh, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here where I hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against you, against heaven and before you. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And I love that he rehearsed what he was going to say. Dude, I always rehearse what I'm going to say. And then when they say, I'm going to say, okay. He rose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran to him and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly bring the best robe and put it on him and bring a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. They began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field and he came to draw near to the house and he heard music and dance and he called to one of the servants and asked, uh, ask what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come and your father's killed the calf uh, and he's received him back safe and sound. And he was angry and refused to go in. And the father came out and entreated him. And he looked at his father and said, look, for many years I've served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you give, uh, but yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when you're this son of yours, I love that. Not my brother, but your son uh, who has come, who's devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed a fat and calf for him. And he said to him, son, you were always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitted to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead. Now he's alive. Here's the thing. The, 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 the brother wasn't lost. He left. He wasn't lost. He wasn't buried. He left. He left. Now, this isn't an us and them thing. I want you to notice the position of the father. When somebody leaves the house, we're not talking about because they were led away because they weren't, they weren't spiritually mature not to be. Sometimes people just leave because they're hard-headed and they, they don't really want what God has for them. So they just... Well, here's what, the, here's what the Father did, which is representative of the priesthood. Can we agree on that? They looked for Him. But they didn't leave the house to look for Him. Because when somebody willfully leaves the presence of God, you can't go chase them to bring them back. It doesn't work that way. Because their heart is hardened enough that they've got to go out and come to themselves. Remember when, when he said that? He said, man, I was out there. Because here's the thing, anytime you get out of the will of God, famine's right behind it. 
Like when you step out of the will of God, get ready. The famine is coming. Your problems are going to start multiplying like them gremlins on water. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You need to watch YouTube. So anyway, so my, my point is this, is that, that when you leave the presence of God, your problems are going to come. And sometimes the problems are necessary to bring you back home. Now, now notice that, that this, that one, the dad didn't chase him. We don't chase, I don't chase people. Our leadership team do not chase people that just leave. And we'll make a couple of phone calls. But after that, if, if like you're just leaving because you're hard headed. I don't have time to chase people that aren't chasing Jesus because I got to go win the lost and unbury people. Because you can chase, anybody ever chase somebody that wanted nothing to do with you? Come on, all my men. Look, I, I always told my son, swing for the fence. Find the prettiest girl you can and hope she's having a bad day. <laughs> Look, she's only got to say yes once. Then after that, it's up to you, right? So like, swing for the fence. Because here's the thing, if you close your eyes and swing a bat, you might hit the ball. So here's the reality, is, is we're called to hit home runs. But if you try to pursue somebody that, that wants nothing to do with you, they're always going to probably want nothing to do with you. Are there exceptions to that rule? One in a thousand. But can I say this? I don't have 99 swings to waste. Because I'm going to stand before God and I can go, God, I reached all these people. I chased this one hard-headed sheep that didn't leave because he got lost. He leaved because he, didn't, he, he got mad or he got something. And I can't chase that sheep all over the place. Do you know that what they really did with those sheep like that? Now, this is not in my message notes. But when sheep would willfully walk off, do you know what the shepherd did? Is he would pick them up and break their legs. And I don't do that. <laughs> Just can we be? But then what the shepherd would do is he would put the sheep on his neck and walk it to, to pasture and lay it down so it could eat. And he would walk it to water so that it would learn to trust the shepherd. Because in your brokenness, sometimes it's the only time that you can find the shepherd. But then if that sheep walked off again, not because it was lost, but because it left, they just killed it. <laughs> kind of seems harsh. But what the text is teaching us is you don't, you don't chase the left, you look for the left. Now what do you do when the left comes home? I want you to see this. It said this, that the first thing he did was he put a robe, a ring, and sandals. A robe is a symbol of holiness and love. When those people come back in, we're going to restore them. We're going to love them. I'm going to love you like you never left because I never stopped looking for you. If you think I get mad when you leave, I don't. I pray you come back. And if you don't come back here, that you find an, another flock you can run with. The second thing he did was he gave him a ring because ring is authority. Now, here's the thing. Um, we don't mind you coming back into leadership, but it's going to be a longer runway because you left. We'll celebrate you. We'll, 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 we'll throw a party that you're back. And we're going to give you, it doesn't disqualify you from leadership, but the process has to be a little different. Because while we celebrate the, the son that, that, that left and came back, we're also going to honor the kid that stayed here. That's why I looked down and said, boy, everything I've got yours, all I gave him was a goat. If you want a goat, we'll give you, like, I'm, I mean, we'll give you an extra t-shirt if that's what, like, but understand, it, it, didn't, it didn't change the positions of the son just because the crazy one came back. But we're going to celebrate that your brother's back. doesn't take anything away from you. And that's what the brother couldn't get. And then the last thing was he gave him sandals. 
Because slaves never had sandals, but sons and daughters did. So we're going to treat you like you're part of the family when you come back, but we're not going to chase you. And what a lot of people look for is this, is, is we're always going to look to restore those people. We're not going to look to chase them because what a lot of people want to do is they want to leave and they want the leadership of the church to chase them. I'm not talking about you got lost. You just left. If you leave, we will be looking on the front porch for you to drive back up, but we're not going to chase you. It's not that we don't love you, but you may need to go hit a place where God gets a hold of your heart enough to make you stay in His house. Does that make sense? It's not that we don't love you, but we can't operate outside of biblical principle on how to do it. People go, well, well, man, that was a parable. How do you know it? Practicality. Um, Mark chapter 10, 17 through 22. Um, it's the story of the rich young ruler. And he was setting out on a journey and he ran up um, and knelt before him, him being Jesus. And he said, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? Verse 18. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good except for God alone. Uh, and he said, do you know the commandments? Do not murder and don't commit adultery and don't steal and don't bear false witness and don't defraud and honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Boy, you are better than I am. Okay, sorry. And Jesus looking at him and said to him, you lack one thing. That's it. Just one thing. One little thing. That's it. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Could have been the 13th disciple. Jesus like teed it up, Bo. If you come, I'm going to make it easy for you. Sell off what you got and you're going to be one of my disciples. Disheartened by what he was saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And you know what Jesus did? He kept on teaching to the people who stayed. Because Jesus doesn't chase people who left. He chases people who were lost. And our heart is we need to seek and save just like Jesus. That which is lost, not what left. Some of you guys are living horrible Christmas seasons because you're chasing what you need to let leave. Some of you guys are going to have a rough season because instead of unburying people, you're trying, to, you're trying to connect with people who don't want to have anything to do with you or what God's doing in your life. And sometimes you just got to let them leave. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't wish things are different. But you got to wait on their heart to change for them to come back home. Does this make sense? So if you're here, here's what I want to let you know. If you attend this church and you're, you're lost, we're coming after you. If you're in the community, we're coming after you. Because we love you. If you come in here and you're just piled up with junk, it's okay. We're going to clean the room one piece at a time. We don't, need you, we don't need you to be spick and span to walk in the door. We just need you in the house. We, we got enough people here. Anybody ever looked at their kitchen and you thought, oh crap. Like it just, and then your husband comes in or your wife comes in, maybe a kid. I know it's a miracle. The third scroll opened or whatever. And the next thing you know, man, it's clean and half the time you're like, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Here's the thing. If you stay in the house, God can clean you up a lot quicker than you think he can because there's a lot of people here who've been through what you've been through. They walked through what you walked through and they can show you how to organize it and get rid of it. And, and if not, they'll sit in the floor and cry with you because it's a mess. Because sometimes that's the place you got to start. We'll commit to walk through all those journeys with you. And we'll, we'll be more passionate probably than you are about your faith journey. 
But if you just choose to leave, leave the house, leave the... We're not going to chase you. It's not that we don't love you, but we have to trust God to bring the prodigal back home. I'll tell you the same thing that, that my dad told me. I ran away from home once. Got mad at my parents, stomped my foot. We had, a, we had this old blue suitcase. It, it was, I don't even know. I told my dad I was running away, so he went and got me a suitcase. <laughs> I was a product of the 70s. My parents did not play. My dad stood, they, my dad stood in there while I packed. Don't forget, that you're going to need a toothbrush. And I left and, and, and I walked out on my front yard and I figured out something. I didn't have anywhere to go. And I stood out there for a while thinking, what do I do? Because I'm lost without the house. Without the family. Without covering. Without provision. So I went back and I came back in the house and set my suitcase on my bunk bed. My dad looked at me and said, now, if you do that again, don't come back. It wasn't because he didn't love me. It was he wanted to take leaving out of my equation. I think sometimes what Jesus wants to do is just take our leaving out of the equation. Where he just says, it's okay if it sucks. Sometimes serving Jesus is not all roses and, and, and cowbell. It's pain. It's dealing with your past. It's dealing with problems. It's dealing with... Jesus said, man, it's like marriage though. Take leaving off the table and you'll find a way for us to work through it together. It may not come easy, but it'll happen. Sometimes you have to let people leave so that when they come back in the house, they value the house. I think this, I think that what God is doing at Thrive is so special. Because I look at what He's doing in your life and it, it, I get excited. But I also need to let you know that as your pastor, as, as our pastoral team, as our leadership team, so man, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to find the lost. We're going to unbury people from their problems, but we're not going to chase the left. Not because we don't love them, but because we're, we're committed to being like Jesus. Can we pray? Father, today I just thank You for everything that You've done in and through this house. God, I ask that today, if there's one person under the sound of my voice, whether it's online or here in-house, that does not know you, that's far away from you, that maybe has left, and maybe today's the day they come back home, that, that, that maybe today is the day that, that they get their life back right with you. If you're here today or you're online and you're like, man, I need to recommit or maybe commit for the first time my life to Jesus, will you just slip your hand up? Thank you. Can we just can we pray together? Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Right now, I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And make me right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, we love you so much. Give these folks a round of applause. Huge decision, biggest decision you can make. Thank you for being part of our Thrive Tribe. If you want to partner with this ministry and what the Lord is doing here at Thrive, visit thrivechurchonline.com and click on the Give tab. Help us reach more people just like you by rating and subscribing to this podcast. You don't want to miss what's coming next.